When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at MyBookie. Make sure to jump in on all the action, guys, with college football going strong, NFL going strong, Major League Baseball playoffs are going on, about to get the World Series, college basketball is going to start up here in a couple of weeks, NBA is just around the corner. There is so much to, to bet on here over the next couple of weeks, so much money to be made, and all you have to do is go to mybookie.ag, use our exclusive promo code UGA to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit with a playthrough, but if you want to avoid that playthrough, we have another option for you. All you have to do is go to mybookie.ag, use the code 200CASH to get a straight cash bonus added to your account with no playthrough involved, no strings attached. That is another great option for you guys. Whatever you do, jump in on the action today at mybookie. All right, guys, I am your host, Tyler, and yes, back with me today is my co-host, Curtis. He had a family thing pop up the last second yesterday, but he is back today to help me with part two of our mid-season Georgia football report card, where we're going to focus on the Georgia defense. Charlie and I did the offense yesterday, but today is all about the defensive side of the ball. We're going to talk Defensive line, we're going to talk linebackers, a lot to talk about the linebackers, we're going to talk secondary, we're going to talk every single position on the defense, every single position unit, but first, I do want to open up with the bigger picture look at this defense in totality. Curtis, when you look at it, the numbers on the surface right now for this Georgia defense look very good, but as is always the case, while numbers certainly tell you part of the story, they might not always tell you the entire story. So when you're looking at this Georgia defense through the first seven games of the season, Kurt, what grade are you giving this unit right now? We're not projecting forward. We're not talking about what we're going to be like after the bye week through the first seven games of the year. What grade are you giving this Georgia defense? I think I would go with like a flat B. Why, why, why not like a B plus, A minus? I think the biggest thing is just the, the mistakes they're making, which is what frustrate me the most are mistakes that um, just almost comes from like a lack of focus or I don't know what it is. It, it just seems like the things that have been getting us not beat, but beat on plays is our mistakes that shouldn't happen. I think it's the big difference. It's not for lack of talent or any of those things. It's just people not doing their job for the most part. Yeah, there, there's a couple of things I want to look at this defense, Curtis. First, let me ask you this before I throw my, my two cents in here. When you look at this defense, so flat B, I mean, it's that's good, but certainly not great, not elite, which I think is fair. This defense has not been elite. It's been, I think it's been, I would give it a B plus. I would say it's been a little bit better than B for me because you look at the numbers here, Curtis. We are right now, and I know the schedule has been light. That certainly has to be factored in here, but we still are right now currently leading the SEC in total defense. We are leading the SEC in scoring defense at 14 points a game. And I, I know that's all relative, certainly to the competition and, and to how everyone else is faring this year. But I, I think it's 
despite those numbers right now, I think it's also fair to say that we are we have not played up to the typical standard of a Georgia defense to this point. Is that kind of what you're seeing right now? Yeah, yeah, that's my big error. Is it's just not playing to the standard. Okay, so if we're not playing to the standard, what is it? Like specifically, what are the areas where we are not playing up to what we've seen a typical Georgia defense play to over the past couple of seasons? Um, I think the biggest thing to me is um, there's twofold. It's really just the fits in the run game really stand out. And then we're having too many blown coverages in the back side, which are, I think are what frustrate me. Yeah, I think sometimes those do get like they're magnified because they are like, dude, what is happening? Can't can't give up big plays like that. But there have especially been especially like the, the run game, there. especially like we think back to Auburn and some of these other games where it's just like it's just a pure lack of fits. Yeah, I I, I agree. And I think well, the Auburn thing was that was going back to that game we talked about it at the time. But you're right, like, talking about just like missed assignments. That's eye discipline. Auburn was not like manhandling us up front. That's not what happened in that game with them rushing for over 200 yards. That was us. I don't say we weren't prepared, but they were they did some things that we had not seen on tape before. But those things can be mitigated if you have good eye discipline, if you follow fundamentals. And our players, our experienced players, our veteran players, were not doing those things. Were some freshmen doing some some things that they that they should improve on? Of course. But it was more than anything that really stunned me in that game was seeing the guys that we've relied on the past couple of years to be big time impact players was really playing with poor fundamentals, playing with poor eye discipline. If you look at the defense here, I mean, Curtis, our, our numbers are are pretty solid. If you look at pro football focus, which I always say, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It is what it is. It's just one metric. It's a couple of guys sitting around grading plays and how they grade them. That's that's up to them. That's their secret that, that they get to keep. But right now, overall, defensively, we're 21st of an 86 grade on pro football focus. Um, our pass, our rush defense is 91.7. That's the grade that we're at right now, which is 12th nationally. Coverage, though, Curtis, not so great. It's kind of gets to your point. 101st nationally in our coverage grade, 66.5. So I think that certainly speaks to your point there. One thing I want to bring up here, Curtis, and I, I don't think you were on the episode where we talked where I talked about this last week, but to me, if there's one thing, I guess two things. Obviously, we are not doing a good enough job of getting to the quarterback. That's been a consistent theme for years now. We've been able to get by with that because we've been so dominant against the run. We're still very good against the run. I don't think that we are as dominant against the run as we have because we don't have those kind of guys on the interior. But that's been an issue we've been kind of able to mitigate over the past couple of years. One issue, though, Curtis, that is just – I mean it's staggering how much we have declined in terms of our red zone touchdown performance we are allowing curse right now when our opponents get in the red zone we are allowing them to score touchdowns on 73 percent of their red zone possessions that is 120th nationally okay compare that to last year we were second nationally in red zone touchdown percentage giving up touchdowns on only 38 percent of opponent red zone possessions Curtis, that is an astronomical dropping that it's all about plummeting that's bottoming out essentially in one season with a lot of the same players. Really, the only impact player left from last year is Jalen Carter. Was Jalen Carter that important? Or like, What is going on with the red zone defense, Curtis? I don't know. He was good, but... It, he doesn't account for like a 40% drop. I'm sorry. Especially when we did... Like, our defense was not as good, yes, when he was out last year, but it was not this extreme. No, no. I mean, of course, like when you lose Jalen Carter, you're not going to be as good up front, especially we don't have like a, a five-star All-American future first-round draft pick to plug in right there. Maybe maybe Jordan Hall can develop into that guy, but he's not that guy right now. So, of course, there's going to be a drop. 
But there's no way that losing Jalen Carter should account for that sort of drop in production in terms of holding your opponents to field goals inside the red zone. So I think that's certainly a factor. That's part of the answer, but that cannot be the entire answer. So, Curse, what else is it? I'm kind of at a loss here. And we talked about this last week, but I want to give you a chance to put your thoughts on, on the record here. It's hard to like really you know, pinpoint one thing, but the one thing that I notice a lot, especially happens a lot in the red zone, is our tackling goes to, to hell when we in the red zone. Like thinking back to the South Carolina, that very first drive, you have them in a you know, third and deep, exactly how you want them. And then every player on our team just decides that they don't know how to tackle. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think the tackling, I, I don't want to say it's just our team. It is certainly our team, but across the board yeah. nationally, because people just don't tackle as much anymore. It's just not something that you do in practice as much, exactly. but it's, I don't care about the teams. It certainly has been an issue for us. It has not been good enough. I do think that's fair. I want to say in general, Curtis, and I, I mean, Look, correct me if you don't agree with me here. I don't feel like, and the stats would suggest this as well, but I do not feel like we have been as good against the run. Is that a factor when teams are getting in the red zone against us? Oh, absolutely, because you see us, Georgia, yeah. that when we struggle in the red zone, it's because we can't run the ball. I, it's, I mean, I think, I think that is probably the biggest part of this. We are just not as physically dominant up front now, that is Car- that's obviously sure Jalen Carter was a big part of that as well. So, I mean, again, he's a big part of the answer. I don't think it's all of that, but it's also like you saw about tackling inside linebacker play. I'm going to be honest with you. We're going to get to inside linebackers here in a minute specifically. It has not been good enough. Like talk about not up to the standard. If there's one position on this team right now that is not on this defense that has not played the standard, it's inside linebackers. And I know that we are always on pop Dumas Johnson. Clearly he's part of that. It's not just him. Smile has not played up to his standard either, Curtis. I mean, if no, you like, really watch. It's he's taken him time to really get – no, he hasn't. I mean, he's been better the last couple of weeks, but for for a while, it's, he really hasn't. And, and a part of that, I mean, he he missed a lot of time in fall camp with an injury, right? He, he was yeah. he was not – I mean, spring practice as well. So he's out for a long time. And, yes, we see him as a veteran, but he's really only got one year of playing experience under his belt. I mean, that's, that's good. I guess that makes him a veteran, but it's not like this is like a, a third-year starter – so he misses all that time. He's banged up the first couple of weeks. We work him back in slowly. So I think that I have to think that had to affect him in some in some levels. Right now, he's not playing like a, like a potential first round NFL draft pick. I think he has that kind of athletic ability. He's not playing at like that right now. So I think just against the run inside linebacker, that that play there at that position, uh, obviously our defensive front's not as physically dominant as it has been. And just against the run, all that combines to a situation where we're still good against the run, guys. I mean, we're giving up 3.5 yards per rush. Only giving up 91.4 yards per game right now running the football, which is tops in the SEC. And compared to the last year, though, we gave up 77 yards on the ground per game. We gave up 2.8 yards per rush. And that was with a full 15-game schedule where we actually played some good teams. I mean, let's just be real, guys. We have not played. Like, Kentucky is kind of good. I mean, is that, I guess, Curtis, is that how you describe Kentucky? They're kind of okay, kind of solid? Um, We thought they were. Yeah, I mean, I think Kentucky's a bowl team. I mean, I got a win total bet on them, so I hope they get to seven. Please, Kentucky, get to seven for me, which I think they can do. They don't screw around here. There's some games they should win. But, I mean, that's not a great football team, Curtis. I, I look at the numbers. I'm saying, okay, already we are behind where we were last year with our rush defense, and that's with ha- without having played really anybody with a I – mean, seriously, I mean, I, Kentucky has a pulse, playing very few teams with a pulse. And let's just be real. I mean, South Carolina cannot run the football to save their life. They, at least when they played us, they couldn't. Their offensive line is an absolute trainer. They had not discovered Mario Anderson yet. They have now. They're a little bit better on the football, but the offensive line was a train wreck. So I think those numbers are somewhat deceiving. 
Um, and they're still behind where they were last year. So I think that's probably the biggest issue when you're talking about our red zone issues is that we are just not as good against the run. And everyone knows I say that because when when you get in the red zone, when the field's condensed, we've talked about this many times, what do you have to be able to do offensively to score touchdowns? You got to be able to run the football. If you can't, it's very tough to fit the football into tight windows there with that compressed space. So that's been an issue for us. I, I Have you noticed us playing maybe a little bit more zone, at least recently, Curtis? I mean, the red zone, really all across the field, but in the red zone specifically, have you noticed some of that? I haven't, but that doesn't shock me. Yeah, watch out. For, I mean, I think I get why we're doing that. And I don't look, I don't, I haven't talked to our coaches. I don't know. But my, my guess on that would be obviously when you get in the red zone, what, how do teams try to free guys up? They run a lot of pick plays, right? A lot of rub play, yeah. rubber outs. And obviously, if you're man coverage, it becomes a lot easier to do. So I think maybe that's our way to guard against that because we have gotten burned by that a couple of times in the past. But when you play zone like that, if you play good quarterbacks, I don't know how many good quarterbacks you've actually played, but when you play some decent quarterbacks, like Spencer Rattler, for instance, right, they're going to be able to find those holes in the zone and be able to hit those. Now, one of those touchdowns for South Carolina, you know, was was a screen pass. It's about tackling, right, Curtis, that, that touchdown for South Carolina with Juice Wells. Just how many tackles did we miss on that play? At least five. Three, at no, least three, four, yeah, five, three. somewhere around there. So somewhere that goes back to your point again. So it's, it's a number of things. I think tackling, I think just stopping the run in general – has been an issue, but that's something that we have to correct, Curse. I go back to sacks again. I mean, again, I know this has been a theme, man. I know this has been a theme for a long time for our defense. Like I said, we've been so good against the run. It's been okay. Like, we've gotten by with it. But if you look at where we are, just in the SEC, Curse and sacks, we're 13th, man. We have 12 sacks in the year. 12 sacks. Alabama's got 29. Now, I know that we structure things a little bit differently, certainly. But I don't know. Are we going to be able to get away with that, Curse, when we're not as good against the run as we have been in years past no we're not i mean that's that's my concern we, get, we play better teams that actually hurt us through the air like i don't know a missouri in a couple weeks maybe even florida i mean graham mercy believe it or not guys are actually playing a pretty high level right now if you can't get to these guys you know good quarterbacks they're going to find a way to, to to make plays they're going to find the open man and that is a big concern so those are my two big concerns can we get to the quarterback on a more consistent basis? I don't know. I mean, that's that's why we need guys like Marvin Jones Jr. And we need guys like, like I mean, Damon Wilson even, for instance. We need those guys to come on because they give us more in terms of a natural pass rush than Chas Chambliss does. It was encouraging to see Marvin play more against, against Vanderbilt. He played the exact same number of snaps that Chas did, and that's the first time in his career that you can say that. So I, I hope that's a positive sign moving forward because he just has more athletic ability. Let's just be real there. Chas is a, a, a dependable guy. But we need we need more oomph, more ability from that from that pass rush. So hopefully he can give us a little bit of that. But pass rush, red zone defense, those are my two biggest issues right now. And that's why I cannot give this defense an A. I I know what the numbers say, guys. I know that we're first in the SEC in basically all major statistical categories and de- defensively. I get that. But if you look a little bit further, peel back the layers just a little bit, you'll see there are some issues that we need to correct. When we play some of these better teams, which I mean, every team that we're going to play from here on out, I mean, like except for maybe Georgia Tech, although they're not like they're not terrible. Uh, they're well, they're not good, but they're capable, more capable than they have been in years past. These are good football teams, and they're all capable of beating us if we do not improve in some of these areas. And before we move on, I do want to quickly remind you guys 
about our great friends at MyBookie. The college football season is just heating up, guys. We're hitting the best part of the season. You've seen all these teams play. You know who's good. You know who's not. And it's now time to use that knowledge to your advantage by winning big with MyBookie. And guys, it's so simple to get started. If you've kind of been holding out, I get it, but it's so simple. It'll take you about a minute of your time to sign up and get started, and you'll be able to jump in on all the action the rest of the way. Just go to MyBookie.ag, use our promo code UGA to get a 50% bonus on on your first deposit. But if you want to avoid the playthrough, you can also use the other bonus option. You can use code 200CASH. You get a 10% cash bonus up to $200 added straight to your account. No strings attached. So that's another great option for you guys. My bookie has a ton of great features for you guys, whether it's the cash out early process, all of the prize pools, all the live betting. There's so many options for you guys to bet and win today. So make sure guys jump in on the action again at mybookie.ag so you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with mybookie. All right, Curtis, let's go ahead, man. Let's move into the position by position breakdown. And it all starts up from this is a line of scrimmage league. The, one of the keys to our success as, as a team in, in totality over the past couple of years with back-to-back national titles has been our dominance up front on both lines of scrimmage. Let's start with the defensive line, Curtis. No Jalen Carter. We already talked about that. But if you're looking at this defensive line, and I, when I talk about defensive line, Curtis, I'm going to say, you know, zero-tech, nose guard, three-techs, and I'm also going to include the five-techs, defensive ends, uh, guys like Michael Williams and Jamel Walthour. What are you going to give them as a grade through the first seven games of the season? I think I'm going to go a flat B. Oh, you're being more generous than I am. You're going B? I am. <clears throat> because I think the – see, one of the biggest issues, too, is like with this whole run game fit is we're having trouble. It just feels like it's a group effort with the run fit error. And that's where you It's not just a defense line. You're right. Exactly. And so I think that's one of the reasons I'm not as hard on them. Like I think that they're – you know haven't been playing to the standard or I think my biggest frustration with them is their lack of consistency because you'll see times out there where they do it perfectly. Then there's times where it's just nothing. And so I think that's the frustrating part, but, um, but you've seen enough of the good that I, th- I think that that's why like I'm not as hard on them because I think that the lack of the linebacker play has really affected how they look also, because now everyone thinks it's all the D lines fault because the linebackers are making mistakes that weren't before. And they're like, Oh, it's because we don't have Jalen Carter or Jordan Davis. Yeah. It's easy to fall back and just say, Oh, well, George doesn't have those first round draft picks on the defensive line. I, I do agree with you there, but I, I don't know, man. I don't think the defensive line has been particularly good. Um, they haven't. I, no, I mean, it's fair. I think they've been solid. They, I mean, I, I didn't expect them to be like game changers. We we talked about all offseason how it was going to be kind of like a defensive line by committee approach. We're going to have different guys that fit different roles and different situations, down to distances, different packages, all those things. But I mean, guys, even like like Nazir Stackhouse, who I think was so good for us last year, because one of more underrated players in the entire team last year, he has not played at the level he played at last year, in my opinion. And look again, no, I mean, that, I got, that is very true. And you're also seeing it from people like Warren Brinson not doing it as consistently yeah i think and warren's gotten more opportunities so maybe we're able to we're we're putting more eyes on him because he's on the field on a more consistent basis than he was at any point last year or the year before prior to that or his entire career to be honest with you but if you look at pro football focus again i know that i got some some pro football focus numbers here i just want to give you guys some context take it for whatever you want to take it for but curtis warren brinson is the only defensive lineman on this team right now uh, in terms of especially interior guys that is above a he has a passing grade he's the only one 
He's got a 75.9 grade on Pro Football Focus. Zion Logue's got a 68. Nazir, Nazir Stackhouse, to my point, which kind of aligns with what I'm seeing with my own two eyes, got a 67 right now. He's just not being as strong at the point of attack. He's just not. He's not shedding blockers. I mean, like we asked Stack to do something different. That, that zero tech in our in our defense is a two-gap position. We're asking him to hold the point of attack there. And we're asking him to, to basically keep the structural integrity of the middle of that defense. He did a fantastic job of that last year. He's not been like bad. He just hasn't been as good as he was last year. And those PFF numbers are kind of playing that out. So I think his decline in production has been part of the issue, especially when you don't have a Jalen Carter. I mean, when he moves on, like Stackhouse is the guy with the most experience on the defensive line when Jalen Carter moves on. And so you expect that guy to take a step forward. He's all an all-SEC preseason guy, and he has not played like that right now. Again, hasn't been a disaster or anything. just hasn't, hasn't taken the step that I was hoping that he would take. And here's what I want to bring back the sack equation here, Curtis. And I know the defensive line – is not the only culprit here. There are other positions that we include in our pass rush. But I, get, I could go back to what has been my biggest concern, the theme over the past couple of years defensively, is we don't have a natural pass rush, at least not a consistent one. That's edge rushers. That's interior guys. Jalen Carter was the best we've had at it in a while. But, I mean, you don't want your interior defensive lineman to be the guy that's, that's your leading sack man. But right now, Curse, they are at least part of the equation. Right now, we have 12 sacks in the year, as I said earlier, 12 sacks. So, currently, I mean, there were seven games through the season. Let's do the math here. I'm not bad at math. That puts us on pace for, what, about 25 sacks if we played 15 games? Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Something like that. Some of you, math, some of you mathematicians can, can correct me on that, but close enough, right? Well, last year, Curtis, we had 35 sacks through 15 games. In 2021, we had 49. We're on pace for 25 right now if we got to 15 games. Curtis, that does not improve. I don't know that we get to 15 games. You catch my drift there? So oh, I agree. You've got it. You've got a pressure. Yeah, we've got, and like I know Kirby always makes a big deal. Hey, it's about affecting the quarterback, not necessarily getting him on the ground. Yeah, I get that, but we're not. I don't care any way you want to phrase it. We're not doing a good, good enough job affecting the quarterback, pressuring the quarterback, getting the quarterback on the ground. We're not doing a good enough job. Of course, here's why I, why I bring this in the defensive line because I know it's not just the defensive line involved in this. We only have four sacks from the defensive line positions, Curtis, and that includes Michael Williams, okay, who we think is our best pass rusher. Four. Four through seven games. So that puts us on pace for what, like eight, you know, something like that. If we go, if we go to 15 games, we had 12 last year. So again, it wasn't like dominated last year. That was with Jalen Carter, but it just, it has not been good. If we had not been getting enough of a pass rush, so I think there's two guys that do a good job for us there. I think Warren Brinson is good at that. I think that's one, that's a big part of his skill set. I think Christian Miller does a good job with that, but he doesn't play a ton right now. He's basically backing up Nazir Stackhouse. And so again, I go back to what I was saying earlier. Those numbers are fine. I can live with those numbers. Sacks are a means to an end. Pressure the quarterback is a means to an end. That end stopping defense, stopping offenses from scoring and keeping them in check, right? Giving your, your offense a chance to win the football game. So it's fine if we're doing if we're dominating against the run, if we're doing other things that help us get to the end that we are shooting for. But as I said earlier, I don't think that's the case right now. We're good against the run. We're not as good as we were against the run. And I don't think that we're as good as we need to be right now with to win, to do what we want to do without having more of an impact from a pass rush standpoint. I mean, I'm just, I'm just gonna be real, Curtis. Again, I go back. We had, we're getting about 3.52 yards per rush right now versus 2.2.8 last year. So it's just not good enough. And here's the thing, Curtis. I go back to the rushing. And this is where the, I think the defense line does bear more of a responsibility for this. It's not just them. Yes, inside linebackers, as you said, I, I agree with you there. But Curtis, we have faced. So, yes, we are first in the league right now in rush defense. We're at 3.52 yards per rush. But, again, that's about a half a yard per per rush worse than we were, more than half a yard per rush worse than we were last year, which is significant, guys. 
And we've done that. We've seen that decline in production after facing one single opponent through seven games. It's in the top 67 nationally in rushing offense. Auburn is the only team that we have played at this point. It's in the top 30 nationally. They're number 30. South Carolina, Curtis, is 124th nationally in rushing offense. Vandy, 129th. Ball State, 94th. UAB, 71st. Kentucky, 67th. We have not really played a team that can run the football with any sort of consistency against us. I mean, I know Kentucky's got a, a good back. I know Ray Davis is good. Auburn, that's all they can do. They do a little bit differently. But the best teams that we're going to face, teams that can run the football the best on our schedule, are ahead of us. Ole Miss and, and Tennessee Curse are number one and number three, respectively, in the SEC in rushing offense. And we have not been as good against the run against those teams that we've already played that aren't good and we need to, and we're gonna have to play those Tennessee and all and all Miss here in a couple of weeks. That is concerning to me. The defensive line has got to step up. I mean, we gave up 200 yards. We know this against Auburn. 200 yards rushing for the first time in five years, and that was to a team in Auburn that cannot complete the forward pass. So again, I don't put this all on the defensive line, but a dominant defensive line certainly would help in that regard. One last question here, Curtis, on the defensive line before we move on. This is something I've been thinking about for a while. I don't, and we've talked about it, I guess, at times maybe on the podcast, but I want to get your thought on this. So traditionally, Kirby Smart has favored a two-gap defensive front, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of what we've done. We're still doing a lot of that right now. However, I think that we have more one-gap personnel than we do two. The only guy that I think that's a true two-gapper on the team right now that plays a lot is Nazir Stackhouse. Like Christian Miller, Warren Brinson, those are one gap. They have one gap skill sets. So what do you do here? This is my thing. Like, what do you do? Traditionally, what we want to do when we've had so much success with is two gapping, right? Where we're not penetrating up the field, we're controlling the lineman in front of us, and we're reading what the running back's doing, and we're able to control two gaps, and we make plays that way. You don't, you're not as disruptive, not as many tackles for loss, not as many sacks, not much pressure on the quarterback, but we've had so much success doing that. But we've had a lot of two-gap personnel. We have big bodies like Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter's been good at that, Devontae Wyatt, those kind of guys. I don't think – I mean, clearly, it's not, I don't think we don't have those kind of guys right now. We have guys like Christian Miller and Warren Brinson who their best skill set is their quickness, right? Their first step quickness off the ball, their ability to penetrate in the backfield, cause disruption. They're, they, they have one-gap skills. They have like th- four, three – one gap skill sets. That's essentially what they have. So what do you do here? If you're the coach, Curtis, if you're the coaching staff here, do you adjust your scheme to fit those guys? Or do you ask them to do to kind of fit into the structure of what you've done traditionally defensively? How do you approach that? I think you have to start trying to fit it to what you have. Um, because right now what you have is not fitting to what to you. Yeah, and, and I think we've got no – again, we've got no away with it fine because we haven't played anybody that can actually hurt us. But that's where I lean, Curtis. I, I think, you know, we've always – this is old cliche. Like, you know, the mark of a good of a good coach is you fit your scheme to your talent, right? And I think that we've done that, you know, offensively. I think defensively we've done that largely too. I mean, go back to 2021, like who were our best passers? Our inside linebackers. So what did we do? We adjusted our scheme, and we went heavy on inside linebacker pressure, and that worked to great effect for us. But this year, I'm looking at what we have up front. I'm like, all right, these guys aren't two gappers. But we're, and I'm not saying that we don't allow them to one gap ever. Like we do occasionally, but it's few and far between, man. We're asking these guys to two gap, and that's not really what they're built to do. Now, the issue becomes, is if you allow them to one gap more, if you set them free, you, you let them off the leash a little bit, and they fly up field, well, then you kind of lose your structural integrity against the run. And you're going to give up some more big plays against the run. Like that's going to happen because you're going to create natural rushing lanes. You get up the field like that. 
But you have to decide, okay, am I willing to sacrifice that in order to gain maybe some more negative plays because the offense – because all the stats show you, Chris, all the analysis, the metrics show you that if offenses – when offenses suffer negative plays, whether it's a sack or tackle for loss on the drive, their scoring percentages go down significantly. So you'd be on the side of allowing our guys up front to kind of be unleashed a little bit more and do a little more one gap? Yeah, I think that's what we're going to have to do. Do you have any faith that we're going to do that? No, I don't. Yeah, that's my thing. I, I and look, guys, I, I mean – Look, our coaches are far better at this than I am. I'm, I'm an amateur of an amateur, so I, I, I readily admit that. But, I mean, just watch, guys. Like When you're asking a guy like Christian Miller to two-gap at zero technically, that's not what this guy is going to do. He's going to get moved. Now, he does a good job for a guy his size, but that's not what he's built to do. He, It's kind of like what I would equate to Oscar Delp. You know, Oscar Delp has been asked to basically be Darnell Washington, as we've talked about some. And that's not what he's built to do. And people want to crush – Oscar because he's not blocking the way that Darnell blocked. It was like, of course he hasn't blocked the way Darnell blocked. He's not 6'7", 280 pounds. And he's just being used, I mean, I think almost out of position, playing a different role than really what his skill set suited for. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing on the defensive line at times too, especially guys like Warren Brinson and Christian Miller. So I think it's worth exploring. I'm not saying we have to let these guys one gap all the time because we run some odd fronts, we run even fronts. But when we're in some of these even fronts, man, I would like to see them be given more opportunities to be unleashed and do some one-gap stuff so that they can be disruptive because that's what they can bring to the table, right? So, yeah, I just want to put that out there. It's been on my mind lately. We had a little conversation with some people about that on social media. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. All right, Kurt, let's move along here. So we did the, the, the uh, interior defensive line. Let's talk about the edge players, like the Jack linebackers. What grade are you giving those guys at this point? Uh, C minus. Okay, we're we're pretty much in line there. I've got a solid C. Why why so low on the edge play? I think it's your lowest grade so far, right? Um, just I mean, look at their body of work. It's as simple as that. I mean, those are supposed to be your premier pass rushers, right? Yeah. And we have what twelve sacks in the year through seven games. I mean, man, it's not good enough. Now, I I, I went with a C instead of a C minus. Here's why. I think they've been stable. I think those guys have been. Fairly good, pretty good against the run, to be honest with you. So I think the stability has been there, but I see where you're going. This I think the issue is we're lacking in difference-making production. Is that kind of what you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what we knew was going to happen. I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum since Lading kind of left us in this position, and now we're seeing what happens. Yeah, I will give you credit. You've been on this going back, what, like three, four years, right? Because you saw it coming. Yeah, you saw the right on the wall. Like, we were not recruiting that position. Uh, at the level we needed to. Remember, it was a couple, like, what was it, three, four years ago, four years ago, maybe? Remember how stacked that room was? Honestly, since landing Nolan Smith, I believe it'll be Nolan. Outside of that, we ha- since him, we have not landed a contributor, like a, a, an actual game-changing contributor. Well, we la- you're right. We've landed a, a until, great until group of guys. Until this last class. Until this yeah, last but, class. but those guys are still so young, and they haven't, they haven't done on the field yet. So we're, we're hoping exactly. they can be those guys, but they haven't. But everyone, they haven't in, between, everyone in between of MJ Sherman. Uh, yeah, we thought MJ Sherman was going to be the guy. No. 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 Chaz, we thought Adam Anderson I mean, was going to be that guy. Oh, can't go there, right? Yeah, can't go there. <laughs> I'll leave that one out. But Chaz. But even mean, Nolan, as good as Nolan was, within our defense, was he a dominant pass rusher? No, never. No. He was a great run defender. But he has more pass rush skill. I mean, that goes back to what we do defensively. The part of the issue with the pass rush course is we just don't allow our guys to pin their ears back and go after the quarterback the way that some teams do. Because we put an emphasis on stopping the run, getting teams behind the chains. We want them to be third and long. And that's when we turn the guys loose. We bring our simulated pressure out. You bring Jalen Walker, Zayvon Sorian, you bring those guys in, you bring your pass rush dudes in. 
and you get after the quarterback. That's what we that that's what we structure it to be like, right? We want to rush the passer on third down. We don't like rushing the passer for us on standard downs is a secondary thing. That's just reality, guys. That and I'm not and you can agree or disagree with with that philosophy, but that is the philosophy, and it has served Kirby Smart extraordinarily well throughout his career. So it's hard to ask a guy to change his stripes when he's been so successful with that. But you also had a certain kind of demons of linemen when you were doing those things. And I don't know that we have those guys right now. So that'd be my only, I mean, I don't know if you want to call it a criticism, my observation there. But yeah, the edge play, you're right, Chris. I mean, we saw it coming. You saw it coming more than more than I did. I mean, I, I was concerned with it. You were all over that. But my my big thing with the edge position, Chris, with the sacks, is like there's zero sack, sack, sack production. And Chris, when I say zero sack production, I'm not, it's not hyperbole. We literally have zero sacks from that position. Like, seriously, Curtis, zero sacks from a Jack linebacker right now. That's almost unbelievable. That's supposed to be a team's premier, at least in a 3-4 scheme. That should be your premier pass rusher, and it is not. It is not happening. Zero sacks. Zero. Not one, not two, zero. Now, Chash Chambliss, Curtis, I know we've talked about this guy a ton, so I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole on this one. But we know what Chaz is. He is exactly who we thought Chaz was. He is a guy that plays extraordinarily hard. He plays physical, but he's he's got some physical limitations, right? He's not an overly great athlete. He doesn't have great pass rush skills. And his pro football <clears throat> focus grade right now, Curtis, is solid. He's got a 73.9. That's because he's been good against throwing. He's got an 80 run grade right now versus a 65 pass rush grade. And that kind of checks out. I mean, that when you watch a guy play, you're like, yeah, that that's what I'm seeing. So that's what you got to have a guy having a guy in Chaz Chambliss who is playing the majority of the snaps in that position. We're trying to work in a guy like Marvin Jones Jr. who missed a lot of time in the spring and, and going back last year doing the labor injury. Damon Wilson is coming on as a as a true freshman. He's only got 49 snaps on the year. But here's the thing with Damon Wilson. I'm gonna get your opinion on this. So freshman, I understand this dude does not know what's going on right now. He's not fully in grasp of the system, or he'd be playing more. But in only 49 snaps, which is a very small sample size. He has the highest pass rush grade among our edge rushers at 74. My question for you, Curtis, how much more playing time should Damon Wilson see down the stretch if right now, I know small sample size, he is gritting out as our best pass rusher? I think he needs to see more. I know you talked about Chaz having an 80 as his grade, but the fact is every time. That, that's just against 80. the run. Well, but that's but but Chaz is not great against the run. You know, we talked yeah. about how he comes in there with, you know, the crazy abandonment or whatever you want to call it reckless abandonment. reckless abandonment and then so i mean he's doing that then is damon wilson gonna be that far off i i think that's fair because can damon wilson not go up go in there and blow up a puller yeah i mean yeah can you do as well as Chaz? i mean maybe not i i mean he may not make trust thing curtis outside of that one tackle Chaz made against kentucky when he's been blowing everyone up he never makes tackles so you're telling me damon wilson can't just go in there and at least blow stuff up I guess the idea is he he blows the pullers up and he makes he paves the way for other guys to make the play. I guess. I mean, but Damon, I will say in defense of of the decision making right now, having Chaz in there, Damon Wilson is he ready from a physical standpoint to go in there and blow guys up the way that Chaz is? Probably not. I mean, not not to the degree that Chaz does. I mean, Chaz is is more physically developed at this point. That's clear. See, Damon but Wilson he, also was he in was he an early enrollee? He was, yeah. All, all three of those okay. those lineback- gotcha. linebackers were. And see, and yeah. you know, we're getting killed because people like Darius aren't truly developing. And Darius is MIA, though. I mean, he's like yeah. 
hasn't been with well, the team, so I don't know what's going on there exactly. Because he hasn't developed and he's not getting. Which reminds, I need to dig into that. I need to ask some people what's going on there. I have not asked that. So yeah. So I mean, yeah. I don't know, man. Like we are, we really need these young guys to develop. Marvin, I'll throw him in that young guy group. We need these guys to develop because, I mean, look, I love Chaz, but we need more of a, we need more dy- dynamic play, right, from that position. Yeah, if, we do. You can always get better. Like If you're always looking for ways to get better, one way the Georgia Demons can get better is get more production, get more athleticism from that position. Find guys can actually create a natural pass rush so we don't have to dial up pressure and create issues in, in the back end. That's what we need. If we can do that, man, think about how good this defense would be. I mean, unstoppable, unbelievable. But that has consistently been an issue. So you got C-minus. I got to see. We're, we're pretty much aligned there. And we are not done yet, guys. We're a long way from done. Plenty more to talk about today. Plenty more grades to hand out. But before we move on, I do want to remind you about our really good friends at Alumni Hall. Guys, all the cold weather gear is coming in seemingly by the day. They just released some new Nike cold weather camo gear that is awesome. If you're into deer hunting or you just like the camo look, they've got a ton of great options for you. They've got hoodies, they've got crew necks, long sleeve shirts, full zips, a ton of new Nike camo gear for you guys to check out. And that's on top of all the other great gear they've got from Peter Millar, Johnny O, Cutter and Buck. They've got every brand that you guys could want. Whatever you are in the market for, trust me, Alumni Hall is going to have you guys taken care of. So it's a no-brainer. Go ahead and visit Alumni Hall today, either in-store inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in the Classic City or online. That works too. They have all the same great gear online, guys. So if you can't make it to Athens, no big deal. Just hop on your computer from the comfort of your home and you can get all the same great gear. So make sure to stop by Alumni Hall because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. All right, Curtis, let's keep this train rolling. Let's go to the inside linebackers. I know you've been locked and loaded, ready to let loose on this one. So I'm going to let you have the floor here, man. What grade are you giving the inside linebackers through these first seven games? Uh, I'm going to go D+. Plus. D? Oh, is this the is this the first D we've had? I don't. I didn't have one for the offense. I, we haven't had one yet, right, on defense? No, and it's probably been years since we've had one, especially on defense. Yeah, when you win back-to-back national titles, you don't have many Ds in terms of your position yeah. units, right? You don't win national titles if that's the case. So, all right, let's explain yourself. D-plus, why? Um, I think it's as simple as this, that the upperclassmen that we have are just not playing to the standard, um, which is completely unacceptable. Uh, and I think that's my biggest issue. How do you account I mean, for that, Curtis? Um, I don't know. It seems like Pop started reading press clippings and started eating too much late night. He's put on weight. He's slower. And he's also playing with like a lack of effort at times. I mean, you saw it against Yes, I mean, I, I don't like to call guys out for that, Curtis. I, I don't think you're seeing things. That, that's my issue. It's things like that that are, are just pissing me off the most. I mean, lack of effort, lack of eye discipline. And, and it's different if this were people like C.J. Allen and Raylan Wilson doing these. But no, it's smile and, and pop. I mean, I really – it's just ridiculous. Yep. Um, I, I cannot argue with anything you said there. And again, because like, I mean, outside linebackers, you know, they are who they are. And like Chaz is, I I will say this for Chaz, Chaz is maximizing what he has in that body. Exactly. And that's why, like, I'm not mad at them. I'm mad at Chaz is everything he can. I I can't hate on Chaz. Like he's trying. I'm not not hating on him or anything. Cause like, he's, like you said, he's limited athletically, but he's still doing everything he can, but that's not the same story for inside linebacker. No, the talent is there, and it's just – I, I like that you use unacceptable, curse. It's not acceptable right now. This is not acceptable inside linebacker play. And you guys know I'm an old I'm an old inside linebacker guy, coach, player. The, the, this is my position, and I'm 
I'm at a loss watching it. I'm like, what? Half the time I'm watching, I'm like, what are you doing, Pop? What are you looking at? What What are you thinking in this situation? I and it's not just him. Smile too at times. It's it's like their first year start. It's like their first year true freshman starter sometimes out there. And it's like that's not the case. You are third year guys. You started yeah. a full well, season last year. You've been in this system that, for three years now. That play against South Carolina will forever piss me off. Where Pop just pulls up and lets Rattler go right by him. And it's like, who what is? Are you doing? I mean, Rattler is is like functionally mobile, but Rattler is not a dynamic athlete, man. I'm no, not, and it, he like didn't even try. He just stopped. Yeah, I was. Like, and it's yeah. like, what are you doing? That was the first down scramble, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was big, like first, it was big first down for the half too. Yeah. Yeah, we get him first and deep, and because yep. they had a penalty, and then you do that crap. Yep. And again, if it's if it's you know CJ Allen, I'm, I'm still mad about it. I'm still frustrated, but I'm like, okay, you're a true freshman. I get it. Yeah. No. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not the situation. I mean, it's so bad that we're having to try to get people like C.J. Allen and Raylan Wilson as many reps as we can in games because we know we're going to need them because we're sure as heck not getting it from Pop. Yeah, okay. That, that brings up a great question. I'm glad you brought that. So let me get me lay this, lay this out for you, Chris. I'm going to ask you this. So right now, Pro Football, Pro Football Focus has Pop graded out at 67.9 overall. Smile Generous. graded out at 62. And we Pop is our highest graded in, uh, inside linebacker among those two, right? But Pop is only 17th is only the 17th highest rated inside linebacker in the SEC, Curtis, not even nationally. So if that is the case with these two guys, at what point do you start to really, really give these young guys even more snaps? Pop it. I mean, it should have happened weeks ago. I mean, we've talked about it with Smile. He hasn't played up to the standard, but after missing an entire spring as someone who really didn't already have that much experience, you know, he missed some valuable time and he's really had to work himself back. Um, he still hasn't played up to the standard, but it's a lot more understandable. And he can still, like, when he makes mistakes, he can still make up for it with his athleticism. Pop, that's not always the case. Exactly. And so that's my issue with Pop is it's like, you, you have no excuse, actually. Uh, and so that's why, you know, see, it, it's unfortunate Raylan Wilson got hurt because that would be the person I think yeah. would be, and I'd yeah. be advocating for. But right he now, went I mean, down in, in fall camp. I was like, damn, man. Yeah, CJ Allen is still good, but either way, you've got to start getting them more snaps in games because we're just not getting it. Especially, we they're more athletic. If they could be on the field on third downs with smile, I'd feel a heck of a lot better than pop stepping foot if it's more than three yards on a third down. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a fair way to look at it. Now, the reason I I mean I don't think it. D plus is that's I mean that's an aggressive grade but I mean I'm not gonna like argue with you too much I mean we've seen like the pass the the great speed for themselves and by the way Curtis I know we're you're always on pop for his coverage 58 coverage grade according to Pro Football Focus that's still generous 58 82.1 rush grade so he's he, it's like it's like we always say about pop he's good against the run if you if you I don't even I don't even agree good. with that I don't even agree with well that. well when he when he's when his head is in the game yeah I would say like that that. You have not even seen that, that that those type of results from Pop. Yeah, I mean we know moving to sideline sideline that he struggles more there, but 58 coverage grade. I mean that's that, that's uh that's about right. And yet, and yet we keep him out there. I know, and I it, I know why I know why we do it because he's got the experience. And we put a premium on experience and trust and those kind of situations. I I and I know that our coaches lean on that, and, and it's been very successful for us. But when they're making – when these guys are making those kind of mistakes that they've made, it's like you're making freshman mistakes, so why don't we put the more talented freshman in the game who's going exactly. to make the same mistakes, but he also can make more plays than you're making. So Yeah, you know, we've heard the arguments about like, hey, you know, 
it, there's a difference if they're not making mistakes or just getting beat where you're like, okay, they're not making mistakes, but he is doing both. You're beating yourself. Yeah. And that's, um, that's not Georgia defense. That's not, it's not good enough, man. It's just not. Now here's the one thing I will give here's why I have them as a C minus, um, not a D they have been our best pass rushers, which is not saying much because we don't rush the passer well, but smile and pop are, have been our best pass rushers. So I got to give them that. If we're going to criticize them for pretty much everything else, they have been the most effective players we have in terms of rushing the pass. I still don't think it's been overly effective, but we only have 12 sacks in the year. But they have been the best of that. So by virtue of that, I'm going to bump up a little bit there and keep them in the, the C range. But it hasn't been good enough, and it, it has to improve. It has to. And the thing is, though, Kirsch, here's why I have hope. We've, we've seen them do it. Now, smile at a higher level than Pop last year, certainly. But we have seen both of these guys play at a much higher level. We know that is in there. We know they are capable of that. At this point, it's just a matter of recapturing that, using the bye week, hopefully, to get some of that back, to correct some of these mistakes, and to just play with renewed focus, hold themselves accountable, and play to the standard that we know that they are capable of. All right, Curtis, let's move on to the secondary here. We're going to break this up between cornerbacks and safeties. For the purposes of this report card, we're going to include the star position with the cornerbacks. So, Kurt, when you look at the, the corners, you look at the star position, what grade are you going to give them through this through these first seven games? I think as a whole, I'd go B+. Plus. Um, I think, you know, Daylon may, you know, that side of the field may be around a B-, minus, but I think what we've seen from Kamari and Tyke Smith, especially in the uh, passing game and things like that, um, I think B plus is kind of fair. I mean, when we've been getting beat outside of, you know, blown coverage, it's, it's not really I, – I don't feel like they're always attacking our corners outside of Daylon or um, Julio if he's in. Yeah, I mean, look, we we have been good against the pass this year, Curtis. I mean, I know, like, we expect our guys to be perfect because that's the standard we hold them to, but that's never going to happen. But no. we have been largely very good against the pass, whether that's safeties, corner, star – We've been good. I mean, you look at uh, passing plays of 20 or more yards, so explosive passing plays in the SEC quarters. We lead the the conference. We've only given up 13 passing plays of 20 or more yards. That's very good through seven games. So that's what, like two-ish a game? I, I will take that. I mean, if you let's take it a step further, 30-plus yards, so explosive plus plays. We also lead the SEC in that category. We've only given up five plays of 30-plus yards. We lead the, we lead the SEC in plays of 40 or more yards or passing plays of 40 more yards with only two. So we've been very good at limiting big plays. And that's one of the reasons our defense has still been at the top of the sec in terms of total yard yards per play scoring off scoring defense, because we have limited opponents, big plays. We've forced them to grind out drives. Now what opponents in the red zone, they've been able to score touchdowns on a far too frequent basis, but they're not getting the red zone as consistently as some other teams allow opponents to get in the red zone. So not giving up explosive plays has been a big part of that. And I think that the corners are certainly, uh, key contributors in, in that statistic. Now, I will also put this caveat out there, though, Curtis. I mean, Curtis, who have we played this season that has a pulse with the passing game? I mean, South Carolina, sure. Spencer Rattler is good when they can protect him. But outside of that, anyone, Curtis? No, and that, that's the real going to be a telltale. I mean, Graham Mertz is not a burner, but he's solid. Um, what's really He's getting be better day. game by game. What's going to be the big telltale is Missouri. I think they're they're the best passing team we have left yeah. on the schedule. No question asked, 100%. They haven't been as dynamic the last two games, but 
they still are – I mean, the production at this point has been better than any team that we have on the schedule in terms of their passing ability, especially with Luther Burton, who's probably the best receiver in the SEC or certainly in that conversation. He was leading the league and receiving for a while there. He might have dropped down after this week as they held him under 100 yards again this week. But I miss the dynamic passing offense. So I don't think that we have been really tested yet in the back end. That's coming, though. That is going to come. And what we'll really find out over the next couple of weeks. But to this point, based off what we've seen, what we have to work with, they played well. I think I also have a B plus. I, I, I toyed around with the idea of an A minus. I mean, I, I think it would be fair if you said A minus. I think they've been good. And if you look at the, the PFF grades, they, they kind of reflect that. I mean, not, maybe not elite, but good. Kamari's got a 74 grade. Tyke's got a 74. Um, Julio Humphrey's got a 70. Dalen Everett's got a 65. Although I think Dalen, Dalen got dinged early in the season because he was not great early. His awareness wasn't there. He, he was panicking at times. A lot of what we saw at Akili Ringo. How much improvement have you seen from Dalen Everett over the past couple weeks, though, Curtis? Um, a lot. I've seen ever since he made that play against Auburn, he's had a lot of confidence. Yeah, I think – actually, that's a great point. I think that might have been the turning point for him. He's been a much better. He's been a more confident player out there. Not perfect by any means, but he's getting his head around more. He's He has better awareness. He's making plays on balls. He's breaking up passes. And this, those are things that, you know, yeah, you want your corners to do, but we weren't seeing that consistently or much at all from him early in the season. That's why Julio Humphrey is getting more run. But the past couple weeks, Julio has not played as much, especially against Vanderbilt, because Dalen is improving. He's getting better. So, yeah, I know the 65 grade is not what you want to see, but I think that's largely based on some of his struggles early in the season, which makes sense. His first-time starter. I think he has certainly improved over the past couple weeks. So I, I am really encouraged by what I've seen from this year. I think they're playing at a higher level overall as a group than what we saw last year. Tyke Smith has been a revelation for me, because he's been so much better than I anticipated him being. I thought he'd be good, but Tyke is has always excelled as a run defender, coverage has been, I don't say an issue for him. I don't think that's fair, but it has been his his the weakest part of his game is maybe how I would phrase that. And he's been strong in coverage. Now, again, he, he's going to get tested in a way that he has not been tested here over the next couple of weeks. Florida has some really good slot receivers. They'll put Ricky Pearsall in the slot. They'll put Eugene Wilson, who's a dynamic freshman. We're going to see Tyke have to step his game up this week. And against Missouri next week, Curtis, Luther Burden primarily plays out of the slot. So that's going to that's gonna really tell us what Tyke has got from a coverage standpoint. I know he will not always be in single coverage against uh, Luther Burden, against, against Pearsall and Wilson. Of course not. But he will be at times. And we're going to need him to play at a high level these next couple weeks, really the rest of the season, because we have some teams. I mean, Tennessee, they're not as dynamic as they were without Jalen Hyatt at the slot position, but that is the premier position in Josh Heupel's offense. We saw Squirrel White make some plays against Alabama. That first touchdown, great catch. So he's going to be tested in a way that he has not been tested. But through this point, which is all we can operate off of at this point, I think he's been really good. He's exceeded my expectations in terms of his ability to cover down the field. So I'm very encouraged by what I've seen from the cornerbacks. And finally, Curtis, that leaves us with the safeties. What have you seen from the safeties? Curtis, how do you grade them out? I go A- minus when it's actually uh, Starks and Bullard up there. Yeah. I'm going A. Yeah, I, I think I, fair. I, I think I'm being a little hard just because there still are, you know, a little bust here and there. Well, Javon um, missed some time, so you saw David yeah. Daniel a little bit more. But overall, I mean, especially, I mean, let's be honest, those two have actually been the two best players on our defense all year. Oh, hands. I mean, my, Malachi Starks is hands down the best player on the defense right now. Like yeah. it's, it's yeah, there's no debate. I don't like yeah. usually. Hey, I'm, I'm open to different opinions. Not on this one. Like it's it's clear. It's it's hands down. Malachi Starks is the best player on the defense right now. Certainly playing that way. And his pro football focus grade spells it out too, because he's got a 90 right now. Pro football focus. He's playing like he was a preseason All American. That dude is playing like an All American. He has from yeah, day one. 
that's how they sh- that's how all Americans are supposed to play. Not this crap we're getting from Pop. Gee, I, I mean, I I don't want to kill the guy any more than than what we have. But remember when he was named a preseason All American, Curtis? Yeah, and you, and we you came said on here. Like, we were like, huh? Yeah. What? And I think we're uh, and I know some some listeners are like, hey, why are you why are you getting all over your our guy? I'm like, I'm not getting all over our guy. I just I don't I, I gotta be objective. I don't think that's an accurate rating. I don't think he's a preseason All American guy. And yeah. I think we're um. But we're seeing it from Malachi, which is, you know, that's that that's the level of play. And see, I think the, the big difference, too, is Malachi and Bullard, I feel like, are the only ones that are playing up to our standard. Oh, the entire defense? Yeah. It's crazy when you say – I mean, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but, like, think about, like, we are leading the SEC in total defense, yards for play, scoring defense, and, you're, and we're saying, like, only two guys in the defense that play up to our standard. Well, and, and that's what's so frustrating, though. I mean, we're so talented. I know we don't have some of these guys we are. that we have. But that's the – we're still playing this well because we're so talented. Now, if they put it all together, then you go from talented to dominant. Dominant. Yeah, dominant. And that's what we're missing. I know we have great stats, but we're still not a dominant team when the, when it would come down to crunch time right now. Are we just spoiled? Is that what it is, Curtis? Like we just expect like 2021, 2022 all the time? Well, I think well, – all right. I know we'll never be up to that always because you're not going to always have the talent. And, you know, and not only talent, but the game changers. But the, the, the issues and the things that have been going on are not talent issues. And I think that's what's frustrating the most because we have the coaches, you have the players. It's just not the same. And I think that's where the frustration is. I don't think – I think it's – I agree. I think it's more of a focus, fundamental issue. But I, I will say, like, we are extremely talented, especially relative to the rest of the country. Yes, I agree on yeah. defense. But I, I also say that I don't – like, there's certain spots on defense where I don't think we are as talented as we have been in years past. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I think there are spots where we're more talented. I guess safety with Malachi, and like, we haven't had a safety like that. Like, when's that – I mean, I know Lewisine was really good. Malachi's better, man. I mean, yeah, we, it's a different level player. Malachi's a different, the best different dude. I've seen in the last since Kirby's gotten here. Yeah, I mean, this is a different guy. I mean, Kamari is a really talented player. He's playing at a high level. I mean, Smiles, a first-round talent. He just hasn't played like that consistently. Michael Williams is a first. I think Michael has played really well for us this year. I think he's been really good for us against the run. Rushing the passer. He's got two sacks this year. I mean, but he hasn't I, – I thought he would be more effective as a pass rusher now at this point. But I will – I mean, I'll say, Curtis, again, like how often are we allowing this guy to just pin his ears back and rush the passer? Yeah, it's, and you know, missing time and stuff—it's really affected. Yeah, him. certainly, certainly, yeah, missing time. He missed some time coming into the season. So, but I mean, Michael is—he is as physically gifted as anyone on the defense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, but but Malachi is the one that has the physical gifts and is putting it all together on a consistent basis on the on the field. I mean, this guy—I mean, just you—I just—I just remember Week One versus UT Martin, and I know it was UT Martin. I understand we're not trying like definitive conclusions off that, but just the way he was moving on the field. The acceleration, the speed, the violence in which he was playing at that position, I was like, uh-oh, this guy is going to be a freaking monster this year. And, yeah, he has been. So that is really exciting to see because he's been playing like you – know, you see these preseason All-Americans. You're like, okay, yeah, okay, we'll see. Um, we've seen. This guy is an All-American player, 100%. I mean, he's going to be a first-round draft pick, no no question. Maybe a top-10 pick. I think he's that good. I think that highly of him. Javon – it's not Malachi Starr since he doesn't have that physical ability. But he's such a, a really he's Javon is just a he's a, a quintessential football player. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's just that dude where he, he knows how to play football. He understands it. He gets it. He's physical. He's hard nosed. He does the little things. 
He's just a, a dependable guy out there, and he's very talented. He's just not as physically gifted as Malachi because very few people are. But that duo back there has been really, really strong for us. So I have an A. I thought about A+. plus. I'm with you. Like We we have you know had to play Dan Jackson a little bit back there. Dan's been good. Dan's got a 72 grade. Uh, but David Daniel struggled some when he got that start. That's why he didn't get the second start. But, um, yeah, I think overall A is a fair grade here. A minus, as you had, that's that's solid. But I'll say the same thing as I said about the cornerbacks. We better buckle up because as good as these guys have played, we are about to be tested. They are about to be tested in a big way the next two weeks with how these next two teams, Florida and Missouri, can hurt you and attack you out of the slot. So, obviously, the star defenders have a big role in that, but so are the safeties. And we're going to have to be ready for that. So, we'll we'll certainly see them against um, some – more dynamic competition here over the next couple of weeks. But uh, all right, guys, I guess that does it. That is our midseason report card for this 2023 Georgia football team. We did the offense. Now we've done the defense, so we have broken it all down. And now we are full steam ahead with the back half of this schedule. This stretch run is maybe not brutal. That's not the correct term, but it's certainly challenging. I think challenging works. And the great news is all the areas where we have fallen short to this point in the season, we're coming off the bye week. We have time to correct it, and we'll see. But thank you guys for being here today. I will be back on Thursday with our official Georgia, Florida, world's largest outdoor cocktail party game preview. And you guys know how this works. I'm going to give you the most detailed preview of this game that you are going to find anywhere else. I guarantee you that I have watched more of Florida this season than anyone out there that covers the Georgia Bulldogs. I know this team inside and out at this point, and I am pumped to be able to share that with you guys here in a couple of days. So make sure to come on back for that. Bring friends, bring family, tell everyone that you know about it, and make sure they check it out as well. But thanks for being here, guys. You know how much we appreciate you. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.